right here in the sanctuary, if you look in the back, um, up on the second story there on the second floor is our staff offices. And I realize probably no one's seen those, right? Like there's not a whole lot of reason to go up there unless um, one of you guys had a meeting up there or something. But it's our old new kids room and it's this big kind of open area, okay? So it's not like individual offices. We kind of all just share this large room and we have desks set up there and everything. And every day when I sit down at my desk, um, I look at something. I think we have a picture of my desk up here case you guys have never seen it. So this is my desk. You can see all my little action figures that I talked about a couple weeks ago there. Um, And I have this picture hanging there. I think I've shown it before in a service that my daughter drew for me, Sophie, okay? So this is what this picture is. That's me. I don't know if I have spiky hair or if that's an afro or what's going on there, right? But when my hair gets longer, when my daughter was younger, um, she would put like bows and barrettes and different things. She thought it was fun to mess with dad's hair. So she drew a picture of herself doing that. And this is Aiden, our youngest guy. That was a couple of years ago. He broke his collarbone. So he's stuck on the couch with me. And Sophie drew this picture. Now, let me tell you, this picture's hung up in my desk. I'm at my office. I see it every day. It's been up there for a few years. It'll probably be up there for a few more years. When I look at this picture, it brings joy to my heart. And here's a couple of things. This is never going to hang in an art museum, you guys, okay? I realize that. No one's ever going to talk about the beauty of the shadowing or the lines or any of that stuff, okay? But for me, it's one of the best pictures, one of the best art pieces that I own because it's an image or it's a reflection. It's this picture of a moment that Sophie and I share together and what we like to do. And this is how she sees me, okay, as a spiky guy with a beard. And thankfully, I'm a little bit thinner in that photo than I actually am, okay? Now, if you were to line a bunch of people up that kind of look like me, I don't know if you'd say this is an exact resemblance of Aaron, right? It may be a little bit hard in a photo lineup to pick me up just based off of this picture. But let me tell you, it brings such joy and delight to my heart when I see this. Now, I start with this illustration and show you this picture because this is what we're going to do today, okay? My son, Micah, who's at Hillsong Bible College, he reminds me of this illustration a lot when we talk about God. He says, Dad, this is what we're doing with God. We're trying to draw a picture of an infinite, eternal, almighty, all-powerful God, and it doesn't always really look fully like him, does it? But can I tell you, as we hold up that picture and say, God, look what I drew. Yahweh, look at this. It brings joy and delight to his heart as we try to discover, as we learn, as we talk about our creator who loves us. And so that's what I want you to understand. And I'll just start by saying this. Every illustration I give this morning will fall short. Every illustration, every way I try to explain it, the words that I try to use, all of those things will pale in comparison to who Yahweh actually is. And so this morning, we're going to continue in this series called God Has a Name. And we've been spending the past few weeks talking about the name of God and understanding a little bit more about God, the character of God and who he is. So we started week one, just a quick reminder, we started week one talking about how the people of God many times called God Yahweh Elohim of Elohim. 
that he was above every other spiritual being, that he was creator, there was no one else like him. And so they began to call him these names that he was Jireh, he was provider, he was healer, he was the good shepherd, he was the one who went out and fought our battles for us. They began to describe God because he was so infinite and so massive, they talked about him in this way. Last week, we talked about his name, Yahweh. So turn to the person next to you and say that, Yahweh. And we talked about how every time we say the name Yahweh, we're supposed to remember something. Exodus 34 talks about that. He is a compassionate and gracious God. This isn't just what we think about him. This is how God introduces himself to his people. I am compassionate. I am gracious. I am slow to anger. I am abounding in love. This is how God introduces himself. Every time we use the name of God, Yahweh, we're supposed to reflect on that. God, that is who you are. Now, today, we're going to talk about this idea. We're going to talk about the Trinity, okay? That's more than just the main character in the Matrix movies. Okay, I got a few laughs. That wasn't too bad there, okay? Um, This is not even just the name of God. Okay, so when we talk about the Trinity, it's not a name. This is a description of the nature of God. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. We're going to talk about the Trinity, and this isn't another name. It's not another kind of name talking about the character or the aspects of God, but it's a description of the nature of God and talking about something that we see in Scripture of the essence of God. It's this concept of the Trinity. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn this morning to Genesis chapter 1, And we're going to start at verse 26. And I want to encourage you, I've done this every week, but you can take notes on this, okay? So if you have the NCC app, you can take it out, open up the sermon notes, follow along. Because I'm going to give a number of scripture references, and it'd be good this week to kind of go back and reflect a little bit more on what we see here. So in Genesis chapter 1, this is the very beginning. Right before this, we have been told that Elohim, that God has created the heavens and the earth, that he's created light and darkness, separated the land from the sea, created animals, vegetation, all of that. And in verse 26, it says this, and then Elohim says, let us make man in our image. And if you can in your Bible, I want you to highlight that. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. God created him male and female. He created them. Now, this is at the very beginning. And all of a sudden, we see this paradox, right? That we're told that there is this one supreme being, right, who has been creating everything that we see in the known world. But when he speaks, he speaks to himself and he uses this plural form of let us create man in our our image. Let us create male and female in our image. And so there is this kind of weird paradox going on that this one God, this creator, is speaking to himself, but he's speaking in the plural. And so um, when our team was getting together, John Jones pointed out, he's like, Aaron, I notice something like it raises some questions. We could say, is God talking to the angels? Okay? But we know that's not true because we're not created in the image of angels. Okay? Um, He's not talking to the animals, right? 
I know some of our kids act like wild animals, but that's not what he's talking about, okay? That's not the image of who we're created in. He's talking to himself. But there seems to be this, and as we continue to go through Scripture, there's this correlation of personhoods within the Godhead that we start to recognize. So you can write this down in Zechariah 12.10. We see this imagery of Father God, of Son God, of this God in the Sonship, and of spirit, God, the sun is pierced and the spirit is working in the world. Zechariah 12, 10. We see in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, this disciple of Jesus doesn't start the story with nativity scenes and angels singing to shepherds and wise men coming. That's not how he starts the story. He starts it like this. In the beginning was the word. This Greek imagery for Jesus. Jesus was with God in the beginning And he was God all the way from the beginning. For all eternity, Jesus has existed and he has been God. So it's this weird paradox that we see within the scripture. So let's start to unpack this this morning with this question right here. What is the Trinity? What is the Trinity? Now, some of you may have heard that word and you may have an understanding of that. Others may be like, I'm still clueless. Like, I don't know what's going on here. So if you read all the way through the scriptures, you'll never find this word in the Bible, okay? So this is not something that's found in scripture. It is a word that we have tried to come up with to understand something about the essence of who God is. And so this word is simply a compilation of kind of two, two thoughts. And it's the word like try, Okay, so like tricycle, I don't know other things that are tri, okay? So we'll just stop there. But tri- triangle, thank you. I don't know if someone said that. It just popped in my head. Okay, so tri, like it talks about three, okay? So we got tri, and then you've got this idea of unity, right? Community together, a union, like connection, like being cohesive together. So theologians took this word idea of tri and unity, and they got trinity. They put that together. So it's a theological word. It's never found in the Bible, but it is meant to convey something about the essence of God. So when we talk about the Trinity, here are some things that we need to know. First and foremost, we need to know that Yahweh is one God. When we talk about Yahweh that we see revealed in the scripture, God himself, this is one God that we worship and that we serve. You can write this down or you can look on the screens or turn there. Deuteronomy 6, 4. God is speaking to his people and listen to what he says. Hear, O Israel, that's the people of God, Yahweh, the Lord your God, Yahweh is one. Okay? So Yahweh is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. This idea that Yahweh is one shall be on your heart forever. And if you continue reading, he's got all of these ideas like when you lie down, when you rise up, when you're sitting at the table with your kids, on your doorpost, hang it on your wall, like put it on your wrist, do whatever you can to remember what it is that I am speaking to you today. Yahweh is one. And so as followers of Jesus, as those that call ourselves Christians and followers of Christ, we believe we worship one God. Now, you may say, then what's up with the try thing, Aaron? Like, what's going on there? Well, there seems to be, as God has revealed himself within the Godhead, three persons, okay? But it is one God. It is a monotheistic view that we worship, a monotheistic God that we worship. Yahweh is one God. There are other worldviews that believe there are many gods. That's not what Christianity is, okay? 
we believe that the God we worship is one essence. Yahweh is one God. And this is where I get tripped up. Like when I'm preaching this this week, thinking about this, I want to keep going, but there's nothing else to say, you guys. Like that's it, right? He is one God. That's what we believe. But then we go on to understand this. Yahweh is the three persons of the Trinity that are of the same essence. Okay? So when we talk about Yahweh and we talk about the Trinity, we are talking about one God of one essence, but that has revealed himself or that is manifested in three personhoods, Father, Son, Spirit. That's what Yahweh is. He has revealed himself, Father, Son, Spirit. Now, let me try to give you, and we looked all over for once, and this is kind of the best illustration that I can give you of this. So if you want to try to maybe a little bit understand the Trinity and what we're talking about, there is something on this earth that sustains life. It is two hydrogen atoms, and it is one oxygen atom, okay? We most often refer to that as water, that kind of combination of molecules, right? We all understand that, right? Water exists in three kind of states, and scientists are kind of discovering more, but for our purposes, think about the three states that we most often know water in. That is a liquid, right? So a liquid form, you drink it, it holds your fishing boat up so you can catch fish, like however, like water in this fluid state, that's one state of it, right? And then there is water in a solid state. We call that ice most often. You may like to go ice skating at the Galleria around this time of year, right? You put ice in your drinks, My kids beg for shaved ice in the summer, right? That's water in its solid state right there. So it's in a salt. And then there's this um, kind of gas form of water where it's maybe a mist or a fog early in the morning. Maybe you're driving and you see that. Or you put on a tea kettle with just water in it and you're steaming it so you can brew some tea. Like that's it in a gaseous state when that tea kettle starts to steam, right? Scientists have discovered that there is a way, something called The triple point. We have a a video of this up here. But there is something called the triple point that if you take those molecules at the right pressure, at the right temperature, that they can exist in all three states in the same place. And you can maybe see this a little bit here. The water is simultaneously melting, freezing, and boiling all at the same time. Because of the pressure, because of the temperature, because of the state, all three of those are existing, okay? It would be very difficult to replicate this at your house. I will just tell you that, okay? Because you've got to have all of these scientific things, but they can exist in the same state, at the same point of time, in the same place, like all three are coexisting. And that's my best picture of the Trinity right there, you guys. Like, that's what I've got. And I don't, I don't fully understand it. I don't fully get it, Right? But I kind of know, like, that's a little bit of the picture of what we're talking about, that there is one God of the same essence, and yet he has revealed himself in the personhood of Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, let me be, be really clear here, because this is where this can get confusing, and some people have had questions about this. Some people think, oh, it's like an evolving God, right? In the Old Testament, we see Father, and this is Father God moving and working in the world, and then... Voila, he does this little magic trick and he becomes Jesus, right? And he's here walking on the earth and he's healing people and he's loving people and he's talking about the kingdom of God and then he dies and he gets resurrected and then voila, he does another little magic trick and now he's spirit. And so in this time period, he's spirit and he's working and he's moving on the earth and he's flowing and he's doing all of this stuff. And so they think, no, we serve an evolving God. Nope, that's not what we see in the scriptures, you guys. Like that's not... 
what we see here. And so there's this picture of this idea of God all at one point at the same time. So right here, Luke chapter 3, verse 21, we're seeing the baptism of Jesus. So Jesus was physically here on this earth, and it says this, Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form. It's like a dove. That's the kind of imagery. Luke says this, if you can picture something. And a voice comes out of heaven, you are my beloved son, and in you I am well pleased. There have been people that are thinking, well, maybe this is just Jesus, and we're kind of misunderstanding from Scripture what we're saying. But this passage right here doesn't show that, right? It's not like Jesus is doing a magic trick, and he's like, illusion, you all see a spirit coming from heaven, and then he's a ventriloquist. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved son, right? Like he's not a ventriloquist doing this magic trick. It is God in the personhood of the Trinity revealing himself at the same point in time, in the same place, one God of one essence, but three personhoods is what we see in the Trinity. Now, I'm just going to be totally honest with you guys. I have graduated Bible college, taken tons of theology classes. I have read books on this and have studied. I've even taken master level classes on theology and practical theology and the way that works. And this week, more than ever, I just kept scratching my head saying, I don't get it. Like, I believe it. You guys, I have full faith that this is who God is, that Yahweh is one God, and he's manifested himself in three personhoods, Father, Son, and Spirit. And yet there are times that my brain just kind of glitches where I'm like, whoa. And I don't know if you do this, but I'll just, I'm just being totally honest. Like, I'll start to pray, and I'll be talking to Father God and Jesus and then Spirit. And then I'm like, wait, am I supposed? Who am I talking to here, right? And then I get concerned like, wait, I know you're not three gods. I know you're one God. I'm talking to you, but I'm totally confused at this point. So once again, I'm holding up this picture saying, look what I drew for you. Like, I hope this is okay. This is, this is what I understand about you. And once again, I want you to hear, this delights the heart of our Heavenly Father that we're even talking about this. That we would try to, in our limited vocabulary, our limited minds, understand a God who is infinite, who is so far beyond us, it's not even comparable. And so this is what we understand of how God has revealed himself. Yahweh is one God. Yet Yahweh is the three persons of the Trinity that are of the same essence. So let me convey this right here. Why does this even matter? <laughs> like, why are we talking about this? Why would we take a Sunday morning in the middle of this series called God Has a Name, and we're not even really talking about a name of God, but we're talking about something of the essence of God, the nature of God. Why is it important that we know who Yahweh is, and we understand the Trinity, like why does that even matter? Why does knowing Yahweh and understanding the Trinity matter? And so there's a couple of thoughts I want to give this to you. And if you hear nothing else in this message, if you've been confused up to this point, hear this about God. This is what I want you to understand about God. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 6, John is one of the disciples that walked with Jesus when he was here on this earth, he lived the longest out of all the disciples. Almost every other disciple, I think every other one of the 12 was killed. And they tried to kill John. They tried to boil him alive. And he still lived. And so he, he's known and walked here on this earth the longest. 
in a relationship with Jesus. And look at how he describes Yahweh. He says, God is love. And all who live in love live in God. He's saying when love is present in your life, there is this connection with the Trinity, with Yahweh, right? With God, Father, Son, and Spirit. There's this connection that is living inside of you. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. In John 17, when Jesus is praying this prayer, look at how Jesus talks about this identity of the Trinity and and God's feelings for him. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me would be with me where I am so that they may see my glory, which you have given me from the beginning. And then look at this. For you have loved me before the foundations of the world. Now this is where, in all the confusion, something actually made sense to me. And I read this one theologian that talked about it like this. He said, if God is a single being, who does he love before creation? I asked Gabe this. He's like, what about the angels? And I'm like, okay. He loved the angels, but what about before the angels were created? Who does God love? If God is a single being, he has no one to love before he's created. And so there's this kind of lack or want or need in God. But if God is the Trinity, there has been this eternal love flowing between Father, Son, and Spirit. God doesn't create out of a need to express his love. He creates out of an overflow of love. He's inviting us as his creation. I've been loving Father, Son, Spirit all throughout all time, throughout all eternity. And now he says, my creation gets to participate. My creation gets to experience this. Jesus says that I want everyone to see the glory, God, that love that you've had for me since the foundation of the world. So when we understand God as the personhood, there is this community It's not one's more powerful than the other, okay? It's not, they're just trying to get along, right? Like, they're trying to make do and and somehow put up with each other. No, there is this community within the Trinity, this communal love that has been going on for all eternity. And don't think about that too long, because that'll mess with your mind. Like, how how does that even work? What is all eternity? When did that start? And there is no starting place, but but. That's what we know is God forever has been loving. And then as he creates, it's an expression. It's an overflow of his love. Why do we need to know about the Trinity? It's because of this. Go back to Genesis 1.26. Let us make man and woman in our image. If God is eternal love in this picture of the Trinity, and then if he looks at me and you and says, you are made in my image, you and I are called to be a demonstration of that love that God has been demonstrating throughout all eternity. And so, yes, you go into your workplace and you get frustrated, but love is more powerful than that. You go into your home, right? And there's times where there's conflict, but love is more powerful than that because you are made in the image of a communal God who has been loving for all eternity. You guys, this is so powerful when we understand this imagery of the Trinity. You know why? Because this week there were some big things that happened in the news. And I have some friends, and they immediately took this as a way to begin to text me their political views. And I'm thinking, no, this is the Trinity, right, who brings us together. So in a world that's divided, 
in a nation that's torn apart, in a place where we look for all of the ways to segregate and isolate and disconnect ourselves. We serve a God who says, you are made in my image and you put on display the communal aspect of God to a world that is broken. That's what you're called to do. So you go into the workplace, right, where everyone wants to be divided over government policies, and you are the presence of God bringing community, bringing unity, right, bringing connectedness because you understand the image of the Trinity, and that's how you were created to reflect that. Students, you go into school, and people are finding ways to isolate themselves, like how nice are your shoes, right, because you got to wear the same uniform, or where do you live? Or what kind of car do your parents drive? And that's not who you are. You find ways to connect with people. You are not isolating. You are not separating based off of economic status or based off of background or culture. That's not who you are. The picture of the church, because we understand the Trinity, is we bring people together. Church, that's why I tell you over and over again, do not come into this room and sit by yourself, sit isolated, sit disconnected, and then sneak out before anyone talks to you because that's not the image of the God that we serve. That's not Yahweh. He has been in relationship for all of eternity, and he looks at you, and he looks at me, and he says, you reflect my image to the world around you. That's why we need each other. Why are we talking about the Trinity? Because as we understand this, we learn more about the character and the nature of God and how he's working inside of us and how he has called us to reflect him to the world around us. So let me give you one more thought. And before I do that, let me pause right here. If you are like, Aaron, this is confusing, but I'd love to know a little bit more about it. Let me talk to you about two books. The first is Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves. You can write that down. Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves, probably the best book on kind of talking about this connection, the communal aspect, the love of God, how they have existed for all eternity. And so this is a great book. And then another one is called Forgotten God, talking about the spirit of God within the Trinity and how so many times we as the church neglect that. So Gabe, can you help me out? Um, I want to give away two of these books and you can just randomly choose, just randomly pick someone out there, um, maybe over on this side or maybe in the back over there. Um, just pick people, yep, to give it one to each, yep, so maybe pick two people, okay, there's one, yep, awesome, okay, feel like we're back in class, who's he going to pick, you guys, <laughs> it's going to be, okay, awesome, but I really would, yeah, I'd encourage you guys, Delighting in the Trinity, Michael Reeves, Forgotten God, Francis Chan, two great books on understanding a little bit more, so let me let me kind of close with this thought as we're talking about the Trinity. I want to point out and highlight the forgotten person of the Trinity. And here's what I mean by that. We can, and a lot of this is so hard as I've talked about this morning, so hard to understand. Here's what we can do is we can understand Father. Because most of us have had a father, even if you have a broken relationship with your dad, you kind of see the context of father and culture. So you're like, I kind of get that, Father God. You can understand even Jesus to some extent that he lived here on this earth. He had to eat food. He had to drink water. He had to breathe air, right? Like he slept. He was a physical being like we are, right? So we kind of get the person of Jesus. And then you get to this spirit. And you're like, what in the world is that? 
Like, maybe I'll go see the new Ghostbusters movie to kind of get some idea, but, like, what is going on with spirit? Because we don't really have a context for that, do we? And so for many of us, we connect father, we connect son, right, the person of Jesus, and then we get to spirit, and we're trying to make some connection, and it is difficult. And yet, this is what Jesus said. He looked at these 12 young men that he had walked with, and he said, you think it's better if I stay here on earth? But I'm telling you, it's to your advantage if I leave. Jesus is saying, what's about to happen is going to be more powerful than if I were to physically stay here on this earth as one person and being present if I just lived here on this earth. What I'm about to do is going to be more powerful. I am giving you Holy Spirit. That's who I'm about to give you. And this is what he says in John chapter 16. He said, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that Greek word there is paraclete, will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they don't believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and they no longer see me. Because of judgment, the ruler of this world has been judged. So this is what Jesus is saying. Is in this person of the Trinity, I am leaving with you my spirit, and he is your helper. So as I've reflected on this this week, I've thought, oh man, I don't acknowledge that as much as I should. So just my week, I'm in an intense conversation with someone, and I start to do it in my own strength, with my own wisdom, and all of a sudden I just feel this kind of push in, oh man, I need to stop and ask for helper. Holy Spirit, you're with me in this moment. And you said you're going to guide me and lead me. And I don't have the words and I don't have the emotions and I don't have what I need in this moment. I need your help. I need your help. I'm desperate for your help. So walk with me, lead me, guide me. Jesus, you said you gave me your spirit to help me. And so I'm praying for that right now. Help me in this moment with what I need. You go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and you can write that down and look later. But this is what else. Paul is writing to the church, and he says this, Holy Spirit is going to produce some fruits in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. This is what God's Spirit produces in your life. So when you're in that moment and you're like, I need some peace because I am so worried about a medical report, I'm worried about finances, I'm worried about this project at my job, I'm worried about my kid's future, I'm worried about what's going to happen, God's spirit begins to produce like a tree inside of you, peace, self-control. When you're thinking, I can't do it on my own, I've been praying, God, your fruit in my life is self-control. Holy Spirit, you're producing self-control so I can say no to the things that I need to say no to. That's your fruit in my life. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, not only have I given you fruit, I've given you gifts. So look at this, you guys. God's spirit in us is producing supernatural gifts. When we can't do it on our own, that God invites us to be a part of building his kingdom, building his church, doing what only God can do. And this is what he says is, I want you to be a part of it. Because of my gifts in your life, you're a part of my story of redemption. You're part of my story of rescuing. You're part of my story of liberating the world and bringing freedom to the world. I am working inside of you. You are my hands and my feet to the world around you. My gifts are operating in your life 
so that when you don't feel powerful, my spirit, Holy Spirit, is working inside of you to move and to minister to other people around you, his gifts at work inside of you. And so many times we're like, I don't understand it. That wording seems kind of weird, supernatural stuff. Like, what is that even going to mean? What's that going to look like? And this is my thought. If God's given a gift, I want it. Like, I want it. I want that. In, I want him in my life. I want him to be active. I want his help. I want his fruit. I want his gifts working inside of me. That's my desire. Why are we talking about the Trinity? Because understanding the nature and the character, the essence of God, reminds us we are meant to demonstrate the love and the community that we see within the Godhead, the three persons of the Trinity. We're talking about this because God has given us a gift, and we're saying, Holy Spirit, fill up my life every day. Walk with me, help me, guide me, direct me. I want you to be a part of my life. So I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're here this morning or you're worshiping with us online and you need to this morning, I'm going to just lead us in a prayer. If you're disconnected from God, you have not experienced the love of God. He is here this morning and he wants to give us his love. He wants to demonstrate his love inside of our life. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you're disconnected from God, I want you to pray this with me. And as we pray this, this is what we believe, that God is entering a relationship with us. He's forgiving of us of our sins, and we are surrendering our life and saying, God, I want a relationship with you. So I'm going to ask everyone to pray this, even if you're worshiping online at home by yourself. Say this out loud because we don't want anyone praying this alone. Jesus, I come to you. And Lord, I am praying that you would enter into my life. I'm asking for your forgiveness of my sins. I need a brand new start. Be the Lord of my life. Be the savior of my life. Give me that brand new start. I pray this in your name, amen. Church, can we just put our hands together and celebrate? And this is what I wanna encourage you. If you've prayed this morning, and ask for that, Jesus has given you a brand new start. And there's one more way I want us to respond this morning is we just wanna ask for Holy Spirit to fill us. Okay, that's all we're gonna do. And so I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and stand up. And this isn't gonna be anything weird. I want you to hold out your hand. Gabe, could we get those um, oils up here? I've asked our spiritual directors and our staff to come. And we just wanna anoint your hands with oil. There's nothing magical about the oil, okay? It's just a symbol in the Bible of God's spirit filling us. And this is what I want you to pray. Maybe you need help this week. And I want you to pray. We're just gonna take some of this oil and pray over each one of you guys. I want you to just say, God, help me. I need your guidance. I need your leading. I need your direction. So we're gonna pray that. Maybe you need some of his fruit. You need that love, the joy, the peace. So I want you to pray that. God, bring that in my life. Maybe you need some of his gifts operating inside of you. So it's gonna be really simple. We're just gonna to pray together. God, Lord, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, fill me. Walk with me this week, guide me and lead me. And we're gonna believe this, that as God does that, that we're gonna be empowered this week. God's Spirit is gonna go with us into our work, into our school, around family this week. Let's just begin to pray for it together. We're gonna to ask for that. So staff and spiritual directors, let's do that. Let's just begin to pray together. 
Begin to anoint them. God, fill us up. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us with your spirit, God. That's what we're praying. Lord, we want your gifts. We want your fruit in our life, Lord. Holy Spirit, be helper to us. 